Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Welcome to episode 58 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and make sure that um, uh, before you leave the podcast today, or even while you're listening to the podcast, invite someone, Facebook, Twitter, text, all your social media, uh, just send them a link. You know, every now and again, after this over, just send them a link, and they can listen to it, and uh, you can get them involved in what it means to be a follower of Christ and following the Word of God. Uh, But we're continuing today to ask the question, what about the church in this time of COVID-19. And as we know, in March, a lot changed. And uh, many of us don't know if we should come to church, what to do about church, or even if online will suffice from now on. But really, there are many opportunities to be the church right now. And even as we face difficult times uh, ahead, uh, for the last few weeks, we've talked about worship and community and participating in theology and ministry. Uh, But in the midst of what all we're facing, Christ challenged us, Pastor, to be one as he and the Father are one. And we need the strength of unity now more than ever, I think. And um, while I know that some of you are saying, well, I can't be unified because, you know, I don't agree with everyone about everything. So I can't really say that I'm going to have unity. Uh, But I have to ask the question, is that what unity really is, just agreeing with everyone? Uh, if that's what unity is, agreeing with everyone on everything, none of us will be unified with anybody. I agree. Hey, Trey, I don't know if you know this <laughs> I or do not. Agree right? you agree with that? I'm unified on that. My wife and I don't agree on everything. Is that right? And that's amazing, isn't it? Who, you and your wife agree on everything? And you're a pastor. I know, right? I know. Okay. We'll keep that under You and wraps. Kelly, y'all agree on everything? I know. Yeah, but I thought I figured you were a little level ahead of me. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, so yeah, we're going to talk about this idea of unity and what unity looks like in the church and why it's so important, especially now in the midst of all that's going on in our culture, you know, with it being still in the midst of a pandemic, an mm. election year, you know, just so much going on. That oh, yeah. The church needs to be unified if we're going to continue to march forward. Uh, in the power of the gospel and see people come to faith in, in Jesus Christ. Speaking of unity and everything going on. Did you watch last night any of the Democratic Convention? Uh, we had to watch the last episode of Downton Abbey last night. <laughs> so Downton that's what Abbey. we did. Yeah, that's a... It, it's just, you know, it's one ago, of those yeah, melan- so melancholy dramas. We things. tried to watch Downton Abbey. Downton is Downton Abbey, right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say Downtown Abbey, but that's not correct. Downton Abbey. We um, tried to watch that several years ago. We we watched half of the first episode and said, Stacy, I can't do this. Turn it off. I just can't handle it. <laughs> that's what happened to me, actually. So Yeah, so uh, well, anyway, I'm glad I you watched it. This time, uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't do it. So I'm sure it's wonderful. Just not my. We just have to thing. disagree on that. That's right. So yeah, but so so I turned on for a bit the Democratic mm-hmm. convention, and you know it's different this year because there's no right crowd there. It's, everything is virtual and what have you. Do you like politics, Trey? I do like politics. I don't like the conventions. They kind of drive me crazy. But yeah, politics are wild. Yes. So, so what's interesting when you watch a convention, Democrat convention, right? And then later on, we'll have the Republican convention. And, and, and every four years we go through this. It's all about unity. 
mm-hmm. unifying around a particular candidate who is running for the office of president. Mm-hmm. Unity. That's what they're preaching. That's, that's what, they're, what they're doing. That's what Let's they're saying. Let's be together, unified. Yeah. Let's be unified and elect our person for president, mm-hmm. which is amazing to me because a couple months ago we watched the presidential primary oh debate. That was anything but unity. And, and it was the same thing four years ago when you know Donald Trump was yeah. running for president same and we had thing. all the Republican candidates on the stage. They were fighting at each other. I, I, I don't understand how <laughs> after coming through a primary season where you're debating each other, how the one who comes out on top and, and wins the primary, how he in any way possible can look back at the candidates he went against and say, I'm going to choose that guy to be my vice president candidate or that lady. I'm going to choose her. I mean, because they, they just fight on stage about everything. I mean, it's almost fisticuffs, you and know? Then, and then it's like it never happened. Oh, yeah. And then they're like best friends. We're, we're friends hugging on each other. And, you I mean, know. and, they, and I, it was this way when Donald Trump was elected, and it's been this way this cycle as Joe Biden has won the Democratic nomination. Mm-hmm. They're nasty to each other. Mm-hmm. On that debate stage, they are downright nasty to each other. And then everything's okay. It amazes me, and it's been that way for years. Wow. It's not like something that's happened in the last eight years or something, you know? Yeah, that's not unity. What is it? What not would you that. call that? Not I that. Don't okay. I don't know, but that's that's the crazy thing. But, but you know, we're being told to uh, unite around a particular candidate, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, you know, whatever affiliation you have, unite around a particular candidate. Mm-hmm. But but we know the truth, that that. While the Democratic convention is calling Democrats to unite around a candidate, and while Republicans are calling, you know, Republicans to unite around a candidate, uh, there isn't really any unity in politics. No, it's it's a, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. Yeah, it is. You know, and if you think about politics, and I know we've got some politicians who are good, but a lot of them aren't. Yeah, it's all about just, selfish promotion and, and agendas. It has very, and very little to do it's with about politics. Very little to do with party. Yeah, yeah. So where do we look? For unity, we look to the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. because we believe that if you want to experience real unity, it happens inside of a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so there's a wonderful book of the Bible. You know the book of the Bible well, Trey. The, the book of Ephesians, the letter the Apostle Paul wrote. Really, in a lot of ways, Ephesians is all about unity because Paul spends a lot of time talking about how God has taken two very different kinds of people, mm-hmm. Jewish people and Gentile people. And, and you know, you know your Bible history. Jews despised Gentiles. Oh, yeah. And then Jesus came. He died on the cross and rose again both for Jews and Gentiles. And then Paul says, listen, because of what Jesus Christ has done, you're one. You, you used to not be one. You were fighting against each other. But Christ has made you one. That doesn't mean you're going to agree on everything. But but what Christ has done is he He made you both part of his family. Trey, you've, you've been... Uh, pastor for a number of years, and you've pastored different kinds of churches. Have you ever been a part of a church split? I refuse. No, I have not. Really? Uh, we refuse not to be a part of a split. Really? Yeah. So I've never been a part of a church split. Like, I've never been in a church when it split. So I've pastored four churches now. Northwood mm-hmm. is the fourth church I've served as the pastor of. Uh, the The first three churches I pastored, two in Louisiana and uh, another one in South Carolina, all three of those churches went through a split before I became their pastor. Wow. That's a lot. Unfortunately, that's a lot of the way that uh, Southern Baptist churches start yeah, with splits. Yeah, yeah, and it was interesting to me. Um, I, don't, I don't even know what—and honestly, 
by the time I came to pastor those churches, I don't think they knew why they split. They just did. <laughs> Somebody said something, and next thing you know, the church was split wide open. And oh, pretty nasty, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and so so what was interesting to me in my time serving in those churches after a split is how much they talked about the split. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Like they kept bringing up, well, this happened, this person said this, this person said this, and they just couldn't get over it. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get over the hurt and pain that was caused by the lack of unity within their church. It had lasting ramifications. Mm-hmm. So so here's what we know. We know that God has called the church to be unified. And when the church is not unified, one, we're not going to accomplish the mission that God has for us, right? And two, when the church is not unified, it's just hard. It's hard to be a part of a church that's wow. not unified. Who wants to join a church like that? Right. You know, really. And that's one of the things I've appreciated about our church here at Northwood. And and, and not that I we agree. Say, yeah. I completely, I know what you're, where you're going. Yeah, Go we ahead, don't brother. agree on everything here. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, that in our church we have people who are all across a spectrum as far as uh, what they think about politics, for example, mm-hmm. or maybe even some social issues. Mm-hmm. But but we agree on the gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. And, and it's been really neat for me to pastor a church that hasn't gone through a split, that, that experiences unity and it's really, it's really good, and you, you learn how important unity is and how helpful unity is uh, in, in helping you to accomplish the mission of God, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. So, so you think about Paul. He writes this church in Ephesus, Ephesians. He tells them they're unified in Christ. And in, and in chapter 4, this is what he says. Let me just read these verses to you real quick, Trey. Chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, because there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You think Paul might be focusing on oneness in this passage? Oh, man. All he says over it over and over, over again, and right? Over. You are one. Because of what Christ has done, you might not agree on everything. You might not see the eye on eye on everything. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you are one. Amen. That's good. So the question then, Trey, is we know that we're one. How do we maintain that oneness? How do we live in unity as the body of Christ? Well, for that to happen, I think we need to look at four truths about unity. So let's start out with this one. How about unity takes self-denial? Yeah. So years ago, Rick Warren, you know Rick Warren, Trey? I do. Pastor, I, I had lunch with him. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Nice guy? Oh, he's super nice. You had one-on-one lunch with him? One-on-one lunch, yeah. Like he is... Before all this stuff. Nobody even knew who he was when I had lunch with him. Yeah, he's like the Pope of Southern Baptist. Now right? he is, yeah. yeah I mean, that's a big deal to have lunch with Rick Warren. Yeah. Look at you. I was like 1990 or something 1990. like that. 1990. Yeah. I, was, I was three years old in 1990. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I was a little older than that. I wasn't quite three. Uh, I was a little bit older. But but anyway, so Rick Warren, he wrote a best-selling book called The Purpose Driven Life. Do you remember that book, mm-hmm. right? And if you remember that book, the very first sentence of that book was what? It's not about you. It's not about you. And, and, and if you think about it, if we're going to be a people who are unified, our lives have to live out that statement where we know it's not about us. Amen. Amen. That's what self-denial is all about, right? So you think about uh, Scripture. There's two passages. One, Jesus says in Luke 9.23, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, do what? Take up your cross, cross deny yourself, yourself, and follow me daily. Mm-hmm. You think about what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2.20. I have been crucified in Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so the picture of the Christian life is that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you trust that he is your Lord who died for you and rose again for you, that old man is dead, no longer alive. Gone, crucified, Gone. done. And so, so the old man always used to say this. The old man always said, life is about me. Our human nature, our default position in life is life is about me. And we live in a world, do we not, that teaches us to live that way. Mm -hmm. Go after your dreams. Pursue your goals. Make a name for yourself. Get what you want out of life. You only live once. Make the most of it. Life is all about what you can achieve and what you can accomplish and what you can gain and what you can do. And then Jesus comes along with the gospel and says, no, life is about me. Life is about him. Life is Mm. about Christ. It's about his glory. It's not about you. If you give your life to Jesus, you take up your cross. You deny yourself. You follow him. And that, what Jesus says in in Luke 9, 23, 94, and and 23 and 24, is that's when you find real life is when you lose this old life. Mm -hmm. Deny yourself. And so you think about unity within the church, unity within the body. Unity happens when we all practice self-denial. When we all are able to say, Together, life is not about me. It's about the king and his mission. We're looking to him. It's not about me. You know, I think that um, I was reading my devotions this morning, and um, it just said that divisive people are about their their own appetites. So Mm. that really is them consuming upon themselves. So then I guess what we're saying then is that really – Self-interest is the enemy of unity. Yeah, and you think about it. For for me, you know, going and and pastoring churches that had gone through significant splits, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what happened in that church that caused that church to split. And those people who remained in that church, they really didn't know what happened that caused that church to split. But I bet you it was something along these lines. People in the church were saying, it's about me. Mm. It's about my preferences, about what I want, about what I think the mission should be how I think we should live it out. That's what causes disunity. That's what causes churches to break up sometimes is just an attitude that says, it's about me. Mm-hmm. A lack of self-denial. But when we deny self, that promotes unity. And it's not unity at any cost either. We no. just went through a big thing. Well, just, it's been a generation now. Uh, about, you know, we were we decided we would be people of the book mm. as Southern Baptists. Right. And uh, there were some people that just didn't want to do that. Right. So there was some... I guess you would division uh, yeah. over an, a huge issue. Yeah. Um, so there are some times that we have to say this far, right. no further. Absolutely. There's sometimes like over major theological issues Protestant that we, can't, we cannot another. fellowship with each other. If if you deny that Jesus is is risen from the dead, uh, you can't fellowship with our church because that that is that is you know paramount to our faith that we believe and confess that Jesus is a risen Lord. If you don't agree with that, you're not going to have fellowship. We can't be unified because you deny one of the central tenets of the faith. But we don't do that in Northwood. We we come together. We are all saying that Jesus is the risen Lord. There's mm-hmm. some things we, we might not agree with. There might and we I think we've talked about yeah. this in the past episode. Tertiary there, issues. Secondary or tertiary issues. Yeah. But we we agree on the main issues that the, the, the scripture is true and it teaches us that Jesus is Lord and Savior of the universe who died mm-hmm. and rose again. So we rally around that in spite of some of the differences we might have. Mm-hmm. But still, it takes self-denial for going to be unified. Amen. It's not about me. Amen. And that leads us to number two, because not only is it about self-denial, it's also about me disciplining myself. So yeah. unity takes discipline. Unity takes discipline. It does not come naturally, does it, Trey? Mm-mm. What comes natural is division. What comes natural is to be at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. What comes natural is what we see playing out in a presidential election every four mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. 
this this side versus this side. Yeah. That that's what comes natural. Being unified takes discipline because it, it does mean that you and I have to do what? We have to have candid conversations. And that's very uncomfortable. It's very people. uncomfortable. Yeah. We have to talk through what we might disagree on and say, okay, but here's the middle ground. Here's where we are going to stand together. It, it takes listening to each other. It, it takes it takes real fellowship. Mm-hmm. So, so if you become a member of Northwood Baptist or if you uh, become a member or a partner at, a, at another church, just because you, like you would do at Northwood, sign a membership covenant, or mm-hmm. just because you might walk down an aisle and the pastor introduces you to the faith family, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're unified with that church. Mm. Being on a church role doesn't make you unified with that church. What makes you unified is actually living out your Christian faith in that local body. It's practicing self-denial. It is disciplining yourself to be in community. Mm-hmm. And when I say being in community, it's more than just hanging out. Because you and I can hang out, Trey. We can we can go to a potluck lunch. We can go, um, you know. We can do anything. We can I mean, do we anything. Can go out, shoot skeet or whatever, yeah. you know, just hang out. But and, that, and that's, that's fun. And that's not fellowship. And that doesn't necessarily unify us. What unifies us is, is coming back to those common core convictions. Mm-hmm. Here's what we believe together, and here's how we're going to, live it out together, right? And so we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's, it's having that face-to-face relationship mm-hmm. where, where, we're, where we're intimate with each other. We build intimacy through studying the Word together, through praying together, through, through um, having these candid conversations together. We build face-to-face relationships, which promotes unity. And then we also have shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. Mm. Side-by-side, side, yeah. we're accomplishing something together. That's a living on mission. That's part. a living on mission together, yeah. right? And so, yeah. so, so that all takes discipline. It, it, unity does not come naturally. It is hard work. And yet, we, I, I think a lot of people just want to think it comes natural. You yeah. know, well, I, I'll, I'll find some place I'll get along with everyone or that type of attitude. Yeah, and, and that, that, that yeah. doesn't happen, does it? Doesn't it happen. doesn't happen. It takes work. It takes discipline. Self-denial and discipline. And then if that happens, that means that leads us directly to number three, which is unity takes sacrifice. Yeah. Everything in life worth pursuing takes sacrifice, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. It just does. If you're going to build model airplanes, guess what? you got to put time into it. Yeah, everything takes sacrifice. And you think about um, unity, it takes sacrifice, a sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of resources, a sacrifice of, of investing yourself in in this and in what matters for the sake of the kingdom. And so it does take a sacrifice. And you think about, you know, being a part of church, we, we all have, for example, our preferences. I like this and I like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we should do this. And I think we should do that. And I wish we did this, or I wish we did, would do that. If we're going to be in unity as a church, oftentimes it does mean sacrificing a lot of the preferences that we hold dear. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we're, we're past this in a lot of our churches today, but you remember this from, from being a pastor in the 90s, and I remember this from being you know a teenager and a college student in, in the church in the 90s. Uh, just the worship wars, for example. Oh, boy, that was rough. That so was did you pastor time. during that time? I did. That was when I started pastoring. Mm. Thank the Lord our church had pretty much been through it. Uh, I was a little more to the contemporary side, and yeah. a lot of our people were more to to the traditional, but it wasn't like you couldn't sing them anymore. So. Right, right. So a lot of our churches during that time, they really did split. Oh, yeah, it was an issue. Over Big music. Issue. Yeah. Over what kind of music we sing. Now we look back on that 20 years later, 25 years later, and that seemed kind of absurd that we would fight over music. When there are bigger things at stake, we would fight over music. <laughs> but for we both, did. For both sides of I mean, it. For Sometimes both sides, it's, you know, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. 
But we we really did all get bent out of shape over musical preferences. Mm-hmm. But that's it's a preference. Mm-hmm. You might hold your preference strongly, but it's a preference. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for a church because I know in our church, I know in our church because we have a church that that is multi generational. We have all kinds of age groups in our church. But I'm thankful that in our church that we have people who every Sunday surrender their preference for the sake of unity and mission in this local church. It really amazes me. Right. I mean, I, I, I see seniors. Absolutely. I'm one now, but I see seniors, you know, worshiping the Lord, 80 years old, worshiping the Lord, yeah. raising their hands. Yeah. And and yet I also see, I've actually heard some young people say, you know, hey, listen, I like the traditional music. Yeah. So you don't ever know when anybody's going to land, but right. we, we do need to unify. But I know that in our church, we have a lot of people who've given up their preferences, yes. at least, you yeah. know, think, think about musical preferences for the sake of what, we're trying to accomplish here mm-hmm. at Northwood, and that unifies us. When you when you sacrifice, it promotes unity. When you sacrifice your preferences, when you sacrifice what you want, when you th- sacrifice what you think is important for the sake of the mission of Christ, I mean, that promotes unity, doesn't it? It does every single time. So unity takes self-denial, discipline, sacrifice, and I think this is probably one that we don't ever think about, but it really takes focus. It takes focus. Unity takes focus. Yeah. And you know what it takes focus on? It takes focus on the mission. I was going to say it had to be us doing what Christ has called yeah, it us to do. It takes focus yeah. on the mission. So I think what happens in a lot of churches, and you've seen this in your your, your couple of decades as a pastor, Trey, and I've seen this in my time as a pastor, what happens on a lot of church is, churches is there's a lot of focus. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in churches that aren't unified, you know what they're focused on? Themselves. Oh, yeah. They're oh, focused yeah. on how, how, do we, how do we get what we want? How do we maintain our preferences? How do we take care of ourselves? There's and, and in a lot of churches, there's a lot of inward focus. Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that the pastors minister to us and take care of us and meet our needs? But really, unity comes when we take the focus off of the inside and focus on the outside. And we're just as focused. Now, this is where unity happens, when the church is just as focused on the people who aren't yet here mm as they're focused on the people who are already here. Amen. You know, I've never seen more unity than when I'm on a mission trip. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. We are taught to be flexible. We are taught to make sure that we're accomplishing the task. Mm. Uh, we're, to, we're to, you know, all those things that make sure that during that week or two that we're on mission, that we're accomplishing that. That's right. That's right. And it's, a, and, and our prayer is constantly that when we come back, we still want to focus on the mission. Absolutely. It's a game changer. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Something about being focused on the mission. When your when your heart and mind is focused on those things that God has called you to do, when you're focused on the mission, then then you're willing. You're willing to um, deny self. When you're mm-hmm. focused on the mission, you're you're willing to be disciplined for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. When you're focused on the mission, you're willing to make some sacrifices. When you're focused on the mission, it just seems like to me anyway, when you're just super focused on the mission, unity just begins to naturally happen. When you're focused inward, me, my group, what we want, unity never happens. But when our eyes are on Jesus mm-hmm. and what he wants to accomplish for his kingdom and his glory, man, that just it does. It promotes unity. And you think about where we are right now, Trey, in, in our culture, in our society, man, doesn't our culture need to see what real unity looks like? Oh, boy, more than ever. More mm. than ever. And, and we have it. In Christ, we have unity. We have unity with him. We are one with Jesus, and we are one with each other. In Christ, there really is unity, and we can live that out, and we can show the world that unity is possible. It might not mean that we always agree with each other. 
But unity is possible. Unity is not uniformity, right, Trey? Right. Unity right. is not that we all think the same way, look the same way, act the same way. Unity is that in our diversity, even though we're very different people coming from different backgrounds, we look different, we act different, we talk different, we have something in common. A Savior who loves us, who we are living for. Unity happens when we put our eyes in our diversity on the same mission Mm -hmm. to make Jesus known in our community and in our world. It's possible. We live in unity as followers of Jesus, and we need to show the world what unity really looks like. Amen. You know, when I went to school, I went to school in Virginia, and um, a lot of people came from north of the um, uh, Mason-Dixon line. Mm. And at first I was really put off by that. But when we began to focus on the mission— of reaching people for Christ, yeah. which is one of our main responsibilities at that school. You didn't even consider that somebody's from Ohio or New Jersey or Illinois. It just didn't matter. It so was about the mission. You're saying you don't like people up north? <laughs> at that point, I had an issue. I really did. <laughs> I had really? an issue. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but you know, the Lord worked me out of that, yeah. as he yeah. does a lot of things. Yeah. When you focus, yeah, when on, you the focus mission, on the mission, it's amazing what he changes in you. It's a game you. changer. And what he changes in you yeah. and what he changes in the way that you view people, absolutely. It absolutely. really does focus you on it what does. you should be doing. It does. Well, Pastor, there's, um, there's some people out there that are right now struggling with this idea of unity. Yeah. And um, I guess if you could give them a good word on what they need to do to to begin the process of getting back and being unified with the church. Some of them separated yeah. out for whatever reason and they need to come back to the church, what, what what would be one thing we could tell them to do? Yeah, I don't think I can say it any better than how Rick Warren said it when he started his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Life is not about you. If you'll just begin to understand that, it will change your perspective on everything. Life is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about his mission. And the more you see that life is about him, the more you'll be willing to submit yourself to his reign, and the more you'll be willing to, to be unified with the body of Christ. Life is not about you. Well, that certainly is a good word. Thank you, brother. I think this has been awesome to hear. We don't hear it much, but we yeah, need to hear it we more. Need to. We need to. Um, we'll watch it close us out and encourage us to come back next week as well. All right. We hope today has been a blessing to you that this podcast episode has helped you to think through what it means to be unified with the body of Christ. And if it has helped you, go ahead right now and share this with a friend. Uh, if you don't mind, subscribe to our podcast. You can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That always helps to get the word out. And we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.